Hi, and welcome to NASIO Voices, where we talk all things state IT. I'm Amy Glasscock in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Matt Pincus here in Washington, D.C. Today marks our 25th episode of NASIO Voices, and we want to thank all of you for continuing to listen to this podcast that Amy and I have had so much fun doing for almost the past year. That's right, Matt. It's hard to believe we've done 25 episodes, so thanks again. On today's episode, we're going to be turning the tables a little bit and talk to Gail Emery. Gail is a writer for Meritalk, which focuses on government IT news. She's also an account director with 300 Brand. Gail recently wrote an in-depth article for Meritalk on how state and local governments have been using CARES Act funds for IT projects. Given how much interest there is from NASIO community on the use of CARES Act, we thought it would be great to hear from Gail on her reporting. So without further ado, Gail, welcome to NASIO Voices and thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before we get started, tell us how you've been navigating the last six months during the pandemic. Well, I've been working from home for the last 12 years, so my work routine hasn't changed except that my family members are home too. Uh, I've actually found that I like video chatting for work, especially when I'm interviewing someone. It's just so much better when you can see their facial expressions. Other than the occasional errand and walking the dog, I'm pretty much a homebody. It's a little like Groundhog Day sometimes, but uh, I kind of like the fact that I'm not running around so much. Us too. Yeah, similar for my husband. He's always worked from home, and I think the biggest change is for him having his uh, family home with him all day. Right. Um, (laughs) So can you tell us briefly about your background and how you became interested in issues related to state and local government? Well, I've spent my career as a writer and an editor covering everything from local schools and higher education in Indiana to government technology, both federal and state and local. I've also worked with technology companies serving state and local governments and federal agencies. And I think we can all relate to state and local governments because they're delivering the services we depend on day to day like transportation, schools, recreation, social services, and such. So I want to start diving into this article you recently wrote on IT and the CARES Act. We will make sure to include a link to it in the show notes, by the way. So Gail, for for our listeners who may not know, what is or what was the CARES Act? Yeah, so the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, or CARES, is a $2 trillion bill that was signed into law in March to fight the harmful effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. It provides billions of dollars to state and local governments to support public health, schools, businesses, transit systems, residents in need, and more. And so the CARES Act provided uh, direct funding to state and local governments. How much money did it provide to state and locals? And were there requirements or restrictions on the use of these funds? So the CARES Act provides money through multiple funding streams. One in particular, the Coronavirus Relief Fund, is dedicated to states, territories, local governments, and tribal governments. It's a $150 billion grant program for pandemic response expenses incurred between 
March 1 and December 30 of this year that were not already budgeted as of March 27. So that's a lot of dates. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so funds were distributed by the U.S. Treasury to states and to municipalities with more than 500,000 residents based upon population. And then states could distribute funds to local governments with less than 500,000 residents, but they were not required to do so. So the challenge for municipalities that did not get the money directly is how each state is handling their distribution. For IT funding in particular, having a good working relationship with the state CIO will be important. There are also two other funds that could be particularly useful to state and local governments. One is the FAA's Airport Improvement Program, which provides $10 billion to maintain operations and respond to COVID-19 at airports, which are typically managed by municipal governments. And the Department of Health and Human Services Public Health and Social Services Emergency Fund, which provides $100 billion in grants to hospitals, public entities, and other organizations to cover unreimbursed healthcare expenses or lost revenue as a result of COVID-19. So, you know, I, I think it's important that, that we do highlight, you know, everything that you just talked about, right? You threw out a bunch of dates, a lot of numbers. And I think, you know, Amy and I, in our conversations with state CIOs and state CISOs and other state IT staff, have heard a lot of confusion over how can we utilize CARES Act funding for, for IT. And so one of the reasons that I think we wanted to have you on was because we've heard a lot of conversations amongst our members about this, you know, and specifically whether or not they could use CARES Act funding on IT. And so in your reporting for your article, can you discuss uh, some of the projects that state and local governments have been using these funds for specifically uh, related to IT? Sure. The funds can be used in a lot of different ways. The governments I talked to were using CARES money to build case management and grants management systems and online portals for coronavirus information and resources to expand Wi-Fi access and to digitize benefits applications. They were also using CARES funds to enable remote work. So that involves everything from devices to data center and network upgrades to enabling secure remote access, encryption, remote collaboration, and digital signatures. So these were all things that you know were pretty short-term. Uh, they weren't long-range projects, correct? And like you said, those expenses had to be used by the end of this year, correct? Right. And so... What we're seeing is that some governments are combining CARES Act money with other funds in order to do bigger projects or projects that will have funding requirements past December 30th. So it's really a range of ways that they're trying to effectively use this CARES Act money and also at the same time, so they want to use the money now, but they also want to be planning ahead. And they're realizing that 
some of these initiatives, obviously they don't stop on December 30th. They're thinking about how they accommodate that spending moving forward. And so I think a common theme that came across was that governments want to spend on technology that will meet their immediate needs, like remote work, and also provide long-term benefit. So quite a few people I've talked to said some version of don't let a good crisis go to waste, and they're not. They're taking the opportunity to leap forward in technology capabilities, and in many cases, governments are doing in months what otherwise would have taken years to accomplish. Wow. So can you um, highlight one or two particular initiatives that you learned about during your reporting? Absolutely. So after enabling work from home and grants to small businesses, uh, Summit County in Ohio wanted to prioritize investments that would create efficiencies and long-term savings. One critical area was the courts, which were basically shut down because of the pandemic. And they realized that virtual proceedings were the way to get them running safely again. And in the long term, virtual proceedings would lower the risks and costs associated with transporting inmates to the courthouse and could help reduce the number of continuances and other delays. And rather than starting from scratch, Summit County started talking to the city of Fairlawn, which runs a municipal broadband utility called Fairlawn Gig. They came to an agreement to expand Fairlawn Gig to create a secure, dedicated fiber optic network for county and city of Akron government buildings that hold criminal justice proceedings or house inmates. And Summit County is sending $6.5 million of its CARES Act money to Fairlawn to fund the project, which is expected to be complete in December. I thought that was just a really interesting uh, example of not only how they're using the CARES Act funds, but how these governments are coming together to make it happen. So, Gail, one one thing that we've heard uh, pretty consistently from state CIOs has been their collaboration and partnership with K through 12 institutes and and higher ed in their states throughout the pandemic. In your reporting, can you give us an example or two about any of these collaborations that you've heard as it relates to CARES? Sure. So, I think San Antonio is a good example. It used some of its coronavirus relief fund money for other eligible uses in order to free up $27 million in its general funds, which it is using to connect about 20,000 K-12 students to their school district's networks from home. So these are kids in 50 of the city's most vulnerable neighborhoods who do not have regular internet service at home, but they need to attend school from home right now. It's not providing internet as a utility. It is extending municipal government infrastructure from the school out into the neighborhood 
to the student's home. So when they see the network drop down in their house, it says the name of their school district, and then they can connect to that as if they were sitting in the classroom. And so I thought that was interesting, the way the way that they're approaching it. Uh, some school districts are buying hotspots and things like that. So this is a little different. And also, I thought it was a creative way that they were leveraging their, their CARES Act funds in a way that would make room in another bucket of right. their money that they had available uh, to pay for this this pretty urgent need. Yeah. No, it's a really good example. Let's talk a little bit about cybersecurity. What did you learn about how states and locals are using CARES funds on improving their cybersecurity posture? Well, CARES presents a great opportunity to bolster cybersecurity, and the need is definitely great. When everybody started working from home, the attack surface expanded exponentially and attackers took advantage of that. There was a definite uptick in attacks on government offices and healthcare organizations. And to keep government networks and data secure, investments in multi-factor authentication, endpoint detection, and encryption are important. So those are some of the things that governments are using CARES funds on to bolster their cybersecurity. Great. What would you say were some of the key recommendations or lessons that came out of your reporting and and writing this article? The leaders I interviewed offered some great advice, I thought, for others in state and local government. One, document everything and be sure to tie spending to criteria in place at the time of the spending. Two, develop a strong governance process. So even if the IT department doesn't own all of the budget for IT, it can still approve all of the spend, which eliminates duplicate spending and enables governments to invest in enterprise technology. Three, you need a team. You need people who have different experiences, talents, and roles working together for a common cause. And four, Really keep the long game in mind. Don't race to spend money. If you have bucket of funds with a narrow purpose or a short time frame, use that money in a way that creates capacity in other funding sources. Let's talk about the future a little bit. And you mentioned you mentioned at the top the narrow focus, at least initially, when CARES was passed in March. Are you aware of any efforts to fix some of the issues with the CARES Act and future stimulus legislation? And then I know it's hard to prognosticate even a few hours into the future, but can you uh, give us a an update on where future COVID-related stimulus bills are as of today? Sure. As you mentioned, the time frame, uh, particularly the coronavirus uh, relief fund was a little bit of a challenge because it is only allowed to be used for expenses made before December 30th of this year. So I think one of the asks with uh, follow-on stimulus legislation would be to expand the time frame for spending beyond this year. And also uh, states and locals are 
hoping for some additional clarification around eligible uses of stimulus money. For example, one of the the questions that I heard was whether CARES money can be spent on cybersecurity training. So governments realize that there's this need for end user training. It's greater than it has ever been Mm -hmm. because workers are so dispersed. They're using internet at home. Is it secure? They aren't sitting next to a colleague that they can ask, hey, can you look at this email? Is it legit? Before they click on a link that might carry ransomware. So governments want to do phishing testing and other cyber education, but they question whether they can spend CARES Act funds on that because most of them already had a line item in their budget for that purpose. So clarifying things like that would be helpful. In terms of the legislation, the House passed the $3 trillion HEROES Act back in May, but the House and Senate remain far apart in their relief proposals. Uh, The Senate introduced a $1 trillion collection of bills called the HEALS Act in July. It seems unlikely that the two sides are going to come to an agreement, which is unfortunate because state and local needs are increasing while their tax revenues are decreasing. If another bill does become law, I think one of the other wish lists for states and locals includes dedicated funding specifically for state and local governments. And if some of that funding could be specifically dedicated for IT, that would be good as well. You're definitely talking about a lot of the things that we've been we've been advocating, not only with the federal agencies, but with folks on, on Capitol Hill. I think that's a really good summary. Obviously, things are in flux, but it, it does unfortunately appear that we are at an Im- impasse right now. And we know that there's becoming less of an appetite, especially with the administration and, and on the Senate side to include, you know, dedicated funding for, for state and local government. So things could change, right? It is, it mm-hmm. is DC, it is DC <laughs> and, and things, things could change in, in a second. One other question that we wanted to ask you was, you know, you've spent uh, a fair amount of time on the uh, on the IT expenditures related to COVID nineteen, which is certainly what we at NASIO have been have been tracking for the last six months. But um, are there other areas of COVID nineteen as it relates to state and local governments that you would like to see more reporting or, or articles on? That's a good question. Uh, Thank you. I think <laughs> sure. So. I think I'd like to see more stories about collaboration and partnership like Summit County and Fairlawn, governments coming together to accomplish much more than what they could do alone. I think it would also be interesting to hear from state and local governments that had already invested in IT modernization before the pandemic and see how those investments paid off during the pandemic. Hmm. The I think those lessons could be really helpful for the future. Yeah, and, and that's a really good point. And I know we've we've talked to a, a few different state CIOs, you know, who who states have made investments in you know modernizing legacy uh, infrastructure, 
And certainly they have had an easier time in terms of, you know, just the massive increase in, in requests from, from citizens traffic to those websites than, than others. So definitely would like to see more reporting on that, more hard data. Absolutely. Okay. So now, as we always do here on Nastio Voices, we're going to be a little less serious and go to our segment called the lightning round. We'll ask you three questions about your life outside of work. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Who is your favorite writer and what is your favorite book? My favorite book is The Sex Lives of Cannibals by J. Martin Troost. And don't worry, it's not about that. (laughs) It's a travelogue (laughs) about the author's time living on a tiny atoll called Tarawa in the equatorial Pacific. It's very funny. And it also provides a look and at the history and culture of a place that most of us will never go. Uh, I think it's perfect for right now. We can live vicariously through truth and learn a little at the same time. Putting it on my list. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this week marks the fall equinox. So we had to ask, what is your favorite season and why? Hmm. I'm inclined to say every season except winter because I hate being cold. (laughs) But if I had to choose, I would say summer because I love baseball and the beach and we usually plan a trip somewhere new. There's usually lots of things to look forward to in the summertime. That's great. Love summer too, especially this year. It was really nice to be outside as much as we were. Right. Um, Yeah. So we asked this question last episode and it remains unanswered. So we're going to tweak it a little bit. If you could host a dinner party with famous or historic figures, living or dead, who would it be and who would be at your table? All right. I'd bring together living people who have impressed me with their talent, their enthusiasm for what they do, and as far as I can tell, enthusiasm for life in general. I think having all these people in one place would be a blast. Uh, We need a pretty big table. So here goes. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, Wayne Brady, Jeff Dunham, winemaker Yana Panescu of Ego Bodegas in Spain, uh, Mindy Kaling, uh, Washington Nationals players Michael A. Taylor and Juan Soto, my husband and my son, and we'd have entertainment from The Roots and the acapella group Straight No Chaser. This sounds like a fun dinner oh, party. Oh, I <laughs> Amy and I would like an invite to this party. You are invited. Awesome. Well, well, Gail, thank you so much for joining us today. As I mentioned, it's our 25th episode uh, of the podcast, and we were thrilled uh, you could be our guest for it. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Nasio Voices. We'll put a link to Gail's article in the notes. Talk to you soon. Thanks again for continuing to listen.